You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello and welcome to the a noise direction podcast episode one i am matt bacon here with my good friend esteemed associate low-key high school hero scotty heath owner of tank crimes hello um i'm your co-host <laughs> and co-host well, checking in yes and so just as we kick off this podcast uh here as a part of the daily music business podcast um Scotty, do you want to kind of share a little bit of the ambition behind what we're doing, what the plan is here? Yeah. So, um, actually, there's no plan <laughs> and low ambition. No. Um, well, I think what made me gravitate towards you is your ambition. And uh, I like your grit and... Um, all the stuff that I guess it's been two years since we've been friends and we've done podcasts together and we worked like a legit, like job project, music project together. That was super successful. And um, I think another cool dynamic is that we're 20 years apart in age. So our, I call, I think like a punk or even a metal, like a music generation is like four or five years. So in that calculation, we're like four genera- four punk generations apart. So I, that approach, um, like I think of my ambition in my 20s and the whole, um, the whole music scene has changed. And so your experience is like, um, basically you have like this smartphone experience as a teen that I never had. And I think that that changes that our approach. And then I think the dynamic between the two of us, because of that reason um, is an interesting way to continue on with what you do on phones and on pods uh, with, with giving direction and advice to aspiring musicians, bands and DIY people. And, um, I kind of learned everything that got me here um, through trial and error. And even some of the greatest advice I ever got was from people that have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Um, So with you as kind of more a a student of the industry and uh, me kind of figuring it out as I go, not that, not that you uh, have it all figured out. No one does, but um, I like that dynamic. And I think that in these little weekly blasts of the new noise direction podcast, we can share some fun stories and hopefully um, people can pick up some game from the two of us. Well said. So what I wanted to talk about. So first of all, you know, we kind of assume everyone listening right now is either 
a tank crimes follower or a Matt Bacon experience follower. Yeah. I mean, if you're here for episode one, the, the chances that you don't have some sort of idea what is happening with me or you, it would be pretty rare, but, but I'd also don't want to just, I, I, I feel like we owe it to listeners yeah. to do like this background intro episode as Absolutely. we get started here. And so, and so we, and we actually do have a lesson we're going to get into when we get into how Scotty and I met, but Scotty, can you just give like the 60 second background to Scotty Tank Crimes, Man, Myth and Legend? Oh, um, well, I um, started playing in bands in uh, right at the turn of the millennium uh, around Y2K and um, started uh, just really all I ever wanted. I just wanted to be involved and do something cool like what after being like a crazy music fan. I mean, since I was a, a young, young boy. Um, when I moved to San Francisco and found like the, the DIY hardcore punk underground scene, it was just, it was the place for me. And I wanted to earn my spot, uh, in that scene because the people that I looked up to in it were like the movers and shakers, you know, that always attracted me. Um, you know, in DIY, you just have to show up to participate and then there's levels of involvement you can do. And my interest from the very beginning was always being one of those high level involvement people. So um, after, besides doing the label, I mean, I've done, I've made merch for bands. I've worked merch for bands. I've toured around the world with my own DIY bands. I've toured around the world with professional bands. And uh, I've kind of done like every job um, that like falls under this banner and um, with some degree of success and some degrees of failure. And um, now shit, 20 years into it, I've, you know, done a lot of touring, released uh, over a hundred records and uh, made a lot of really cool friends and had great experiences along the way. So I think that any advice you would take from me on this podcast, um, I guess the, the, I don't care if anyone listens to me, but I guess the reason why they should. And another thing I think is a cool dynamic of this podcast is I'm wouldn't be trying to groom. I'm not trying to groom anyone to come be on my label. Uh, I don't have a product to sell specifically to this audience. Um, I just have my experience to speak on and you, uh, are a really good person to coax some of that out of me. And then, of, and that dynamic, like I said, with, with our generational difference, I, I think is really cool. So, um, basically I'm a, I'm a record label owner and, uh, I'm a professional roadie. Uh, well, I've had a year off now, but I, I'm looking forward to hit, getting back on the road. Thank you. And, and, ju and just to be clear, the main band Scotty tours with is um, Municipal Waste. Municipal Waste now is, is pretty much exclusively um, who I'm going to hit the road with once we open back up. Yeah. Yeah. Just just wanted people to make like to let, make sure that people knew because I didn't know that when I met you. Um, yeah. 
So, okay. Now, meanwhile, I, um, as Scotty said, I am 20 years younger than him. Um, I started a blog when I was 14 and it sort of went from there. <laughs> um, like I ended up, I ended up taking over a record label and doing that for a while. And then I got my first PR job and I dropped out of college for it when I was 19, 18, 19, 19. And then I ended up losing that job and bucks, uh, just cause of some shit going on in the dude's life and the owner dude. And, and then a bunch of the clients were like, Hey, like, we know you lost your job, but can you like still give us advice? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. You were <laughs> like, you want, you want advice from me? I'm a little baby. Yeah. But that th- it goes to show that you, 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 even at that early age, were bringing value to I mean, um, the, the people around you. At least enough hope. to get a call back, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of leveraged that into turning into a marketing guy and A&R for a bunch of record labels. You know, I managed this band called Tanger Cavalry for a while that did really well. Like, I think I was the only person on those tours who realized how exceptional what was happening was. <laughs> um, and uh, that taught me a bunch of stuff. And, and now I work with a whole fucking plethora of labels, um, including... I'll do the list because it's in my email signature now because I grew up a little bit. Yeah, read it. Up. Um, here we go. Blacklight Media, which is a Metal Blade subsidiary, Prophecy Productions, uh, Artifact Records, Ripple Music, Magnetic Eye Records, and Tank Crimes. And then those are like the regular guys. And then there's like a, a decent handful of people who I have on like a day-to-day, oh, you know, I'll, I'll project by project basis going up to like Hinder, which is pretty mm-hmm. strange. <laughs> um you know, uh, just because if you told me in high school, I'd be working on a hinder promotion. I'd be like, Oh, that, that's surprising. Um, well, here's the thing, Matt, this is the greatest, here's the greatest thing about being involved. And I'll tell you that feeling will never go away is that pretty much anytime anything exciting happens to me, um, like, like related in, in this world, um, pretty much my go-to response is can, can someone send like a postcard to 19 year old me and tell him this is what I'm doing, or this is who I'm hanging out with, or this is who I'm working with. This is who I'm associated with. This is who I'm on the phone with, you know, like it's, it's really fun. Uh, And that, that never gets old um, at least for me, because I'm honestly as excited now, if not more than I was when I started Um, because When I started, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't see a future in it. I just want to say I didn't think about the future. And so if you had asked me 20 years ago, if I was still going to be doing this now, I think I would have just said, why not? Without not, without much other thought about it, or even um like, I don't even really set that many goals over here. And the ones we do are, are, are pretty like broad and semi-achievable, you know? Um, but yeah, that, that feeling of, wow, if I could tell me the yo- a younger version of me, what I'm up to right now. Um, and, and that's one of the feelings that, that keeps me going. And, and I know you because you constantly tell me about what you're excited about. And then what's funny is that a lot of times I'm like, I don't know who that is, Matt, but I'm excited for you. <laughs> well, because I like care, like I care about like classic rock shit. I don't think you care about as much. Um, Matt, I was born in the seventies. Okay. Yeah. But like, I don't think like, do you care about Arthur Brown? No. Yeah. There you go. And I think it's like the coolest <laughs> thing that like, 
I texted Arthur Brown's girlfriend a Carol Vorderman pun earlier today. Carol Vorderman is like a British celebrity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like See, that, that, this that is makes a perfect example. And <laughs> a, any of our any of our tens of listeners scratching their head right now at who the fuck that is are really getting a little walk in my in my Birkenstocks. <laughs> So the point being, so now we want, well, we, the other thing we wanted to share on this episode, and this is where we sort of talk, where we get to the, like, the lesson of this episode, which is, uh, you know. Think, yeah, there's one or two in this story, so yeah. Yeah, ostensibly the lesson of this episode that, you know, we wanted to kind of get at was, like, how to network with someone you think is cool. Um, so... You told the story really well the other day, Scotty. Can you sort of narrate yeah, let me take the, how we met yeah, online let and then I'll take, narrate how we met in person? Okay, perfect. Um, so I just am attracted to ambition, you know? I think a lot of, I mean, I think it's an attractive quality, you know, if, it, if it's done right. Um, and so a lot of, you know, a lot of just me just fucking scrolling around on my phone is fucking telling people like, keep up the good work and shit like that. You know, like I, I, I just like people who participate and put themselves out there. And, um, I first, first time I saw you on my phone, which to, to too many of us is now a, a thrice daily occurrence. <laughs> <clears throat> what seeing me, but uh, seeing you talk on my phone. <laughs> oh yeah. The no, I mean, or the sounds off. That's, that's what I aspire for is I want to be on everyone's <laughs> phone all the time. Sometimes I'll just point my phone at my wife and go, there's Bacon's bit. <laughs> um, so I, I saw, um, I saw a sponsored ad that was a Bacon's bit. This must've been two. What do you think this was at the beginning of 2018 end of 2017 when we first, uh, probably end of 27. Uh, wait, no, 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 no. End of 2018. Cause I was, I was sober at that point. Right, okay. Bacon's yeah. bit starts in 2018. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And it just feels like um, we've known each other less time because yeah, I COVID. Was, what? <laughs> yeah, or I was actually thinking another year because of COVID. It's the exact same thing. Like, did we just? <laughs> time has no meaning until until we t- can take our masks off and and go to a gathering. Yeah. Um, but so, I don't remember specifically what the bacon bit was. You know. Um, but I remember just seeing you and being like, oh, that's cool. Like this kid is just, you know, talking into his, I mean, I don't know if I want to say you are an early adopter of just like communicating, uh, with audio visual, you know, just, just that talking into your phone thing, um, (laughs) that you do so well. And that takes a lot of courage that that's an aspect people never talk about, but when I, I saw the first bacon bit, um, I am I liked it, followed you, and immediately began shooting you a DM just to say, "Hey, hey, bacon bit!" Like, like I said, this is cool. Keep up the good work. You've got a new follower. I mean, this was this was early on, you know, and you. This was what I was so impressed too. You did you practice what you preach because while I was DMing you, keep up the good work. I'm your new follower. You were DMing me at the exact same time saying, dude, tank crimes just followed me. I'm a big fan. Uh, since I was a kid, which wasn't that long ago. And 
uh, it's just really cool to hear from you. Thanks a lot for liking my page, which is pretty spot on what you preach, you know? And I didn't even know like the bacon bits agenda right then. Um, people that watch it would know that's that's exactly what you what you you know yeah um, promote but, other artists and creatives to do. But to be clear, to be clear, I was already a really big fan of Spaz. I remember. I think my introduction to the label was probably. I'm trying to look up what year it was. It might have been through Cannabis Corpse, because uh, I was really into them in high school. Um, mm -hmm. I, I also I, I think, but I think the first time it like really came to my attention was the municipal waste toxic holocaust split. And yeah, I was I mean, probably that, I was probably 16. That was the release that like got to high schoolers. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. my crowd is really I mean, you know, it's an all ages crowd, but my fan base is is way more 25 to 35 than it is 15 to 20 you know but yeah. there's been key releases like specifically that's a good one is the toxic waste uh because of the the much bigger reach of those bands uh waste specifically to teenagers um that is really a reference point or could be if i have one record if there's people that only have one of my hundred records in their collection it's probably that one you know i also i think i also it was yeah it was interesting because i think that was the same time i found out about uh, ghoul and I had like this weird Kim Wilde obsession and the fact that I had a kids in America cover I thought was really cool um yeah. and then there was something else didn't you do like something with exhumed uh no that we did an exhumed Iron Reagan split but I, I think that was much later I mean that record's been sold out a few years but ah uh, but see I don't know because my timeline gets all wacky because for me I'm trying to think about 20 years worth of stuff yeah where it doesn't matter um yeah. The point, the point being, um, that's the point. That's how we, yeah, met. no, we yeah. So that's yeah. Instagram. Yeah. But, <laughs> we but met on I, Instagram through a sponsored post, which I think is, uh, is cool for bacon's bits because, uh, it's an example right there that adds work. I don't know yeah. how much, how much longer it would have been before, a bacon's bit reached my phone organically. Um, but but that sponsored like, post was right there. And I and I was your target audience. Yeah. And so the system worked. And here, here, here's just like the funny thing. There was something funny the first time we spoke on a podcast, because that was another thing I did the first time we texted, was I immediately invited you to my... Oh, you immediately invited me on your podcast. That, yeah, so the, the first the, time we spoke was right this. You actually, that's... Um, yeah. You introduced me to Zoom, and now it's such a popular app. There you go. See, and so <laughs> um, I'm keeping you know I'm keeping you uh, up with the kids. Um, but I remember there was something we had observed on this podcast that although this was our first time talking, we had definitely been in the same room at least a handful of times, <laughs> which is like yeah, that had checked out. And one of the weirdest things. Which for like, you, you would have been somewhere like totally like soaking up where you were. And I might have been like, who let children into the backstage? <laughs> and it's like, because he had drugs for Tony Ferrusta. Exactly. <laughs> he you knows know? how to network. Sponsored posts. I mean. And bring, bring weed to shows. Actually, we're going to have. something harder if you want to get backstage. 
<laughs> oh, I just realized that this is going to tie in. So I'm going to, okay. So I'm going to tell the story of how we met in person, which immediately ties in to my favorite ever Tony Foresta story. And I have quite a few. Um, okay. So how much time do you think went by? Um, so, so we were so probably doing we a met, podcast together within a month of that yeah, first yeah, we, we, post, we met right? fall We met fall of 2018. Okay. And then and what was in- cool about that, and I think is cool about this podcast, is um, podcasting was like getting that invite. And I, and I knew even that, you know, that Dumb and Dumbest was just starting to, I mean, basically just getting off, off the ground. I mean, you couldn't have been getting more than a couple hundred listens yeah. at that age, if even that or whatever. But another thing that I liked that you kind of brought me into that is same as talking at your phone, which is really difficult without practice, is just podcasting in general. You have to practice this stuff. And I know that that you preach this as a bacon bit, but you're not just going to start talking into your phone and, and not and seem natural and seem conversation like and it's the same with the podcast. And I was very interested in getting into this lane and you inviting me on. It was this perfect like rehearsal that I wanted to do. And it just kind of like honed up my chops. And that's, I mean, that we're starting a podcast together today. Um, I guess it all just ties together. I mean, you invited me to be a guest and then, then you invited me to be your co-host. And I, what did I do? I made you wait 48 hours for my answer, even though I knew I was going to say yes. Because you're a very demanding friend. And so I like to pump the brakes on you sometimes. By demanding? Uh, well, I don't mean demanding. I just you mean, know. like, you text me at before 6 a.m. I know you're on the East Coast, but I'll often get a text from you in the five o'clock hour. That's yeah, yeah. By that point, I, I'll have been awake for like an hour on the like. I'll be up. I'll, I'll like wake up at four a.m. and like be working and be like, no one. Not yeah, everyone well, wakes up at this time. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I mean. I mean, it, it yeah, ties in with your ambition, which attracts me to you. But then I like you know, and then that's just kind of our friendship dynamic. Like, Absolutely. Like I said, like like pointing a bacon bits at my wife while we're sitting in bed and I'm staring at my phone, or ignoring a text from you because it's too early in the morning, or too many questions and I only feel like answering one of the five <laughs> stuff like that. So, okay. So the point being, so Scotty and I meet in person. So now. we're doing, and we're doing podcasts together. Oh, that was what I was going to ask. So what? Yeah. So four okay, or so five we, months later and we've more done like four or five podcasts. Seven or eight months later. Cause we met at Hellfest. Oh, okay. So that's a late summer festival. Cause, cause so first of all, so it's a midsummer festival. It's June. Oh, so first of all, Scotty, Scotty and Municipal Waste, you guys got into that festival like 15 minutes before your set or something crazy like that, right? Yeah, it's really cool. It's cool that that's the day we met because it's like there was so many interesting aspects of that day. And, you know, like all the festivals are super exciting and and, um, so much fun and there's so much going on. But I mean, a lot of my festival memories like blur together. Like sometimes I have to be like, what one was that? What country was that? Whatever. But the specific show where we met, we had to fly in um, to where, you know, the French countryside or wherever that it helped us out in the middle of nowhere. So we flew from wherever we were at a festival the day before. And um, basically, like the people, the Hellfest, like people picking us up 
it was like pretty relaxed and it was like super casual when we got there and we're like waiting for the instruments and stuff super casually and like whatever. And then when we pile like six of us into this tiny van and then a separate van for the gear, uh, the woman then tells us that we're on stage in 45 minutes and that it's a 40 minute drive. <laughs> yeah. Hellfest. There's 80,000 people waiting to watch this. They're already watching bands play at this time, you know, like you're already on stage watching like literally just the band that went I, it, on before. Wait. This is actually cool. Was It was Insanity Alert, who are our friends, who I've known since their first demo in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, first diagnosis. And like I had gone, I'm getting goosebumps talking about this. I had, I had been friends. They were one of my most listened to bands in high school. We'd been friends the whole time. And then that day was Slayer played on the same stage as them later that day. Like that was fucking ridiculous. Oh, so that was already for you, like seeing uh, homies do like, I mean, that's the biggest show they ever played. I've, yeah, like, I've, yeah, like seeing I've homies seen, from like, I'd already met them. I'd already seen them live, but like still like seeing your like high school homies open for Slayer is a big deal. Yeah. So we're driving. And to be fair, the woman from Hellfest is fucking dope. She is like, going up on the sidewalk she is like driving like a mad bitch it was so badass but we're all like <laughs> fucking butterflied and nodded out because we don't know if we're gonna make it and we're like calling ahead and like death angel played after us and like we're like will death angel switch spots and they're like no death angel won't which to be fair at the time we're just like looking for a solution but like you know how festivals are like how if death angel thinks they're going on at four how do you find them at Hellfest to tell them they're now going on at three? Like that you can't really do that, you know? Yeah, no. Cause so, like they're, it just doesn't, you just can't, you know, it's, it's not like a, like a, you know, like a club gig where you just can alter the lineup and keep things moving if somebody's late. So we're like talking, they're like, okay, that we've got everything set up on stage for you guys. Like I said, we flew in. So we already didn't have backline. You'd, most festivals have their own backline, but like I wasn't even bringing like the heads in or anything like that. Um, they had completely set up everything for us and we rolled in, pulled up right behind the stage. I don't even think we stopped to get our credentials. Like they brought us right to the stage and then the gal was like, I'll come bring you guys your credentials after the set. And um what was awesome is we made it like right on fucking time, like literally like rolled up on the stage, checked the guitars real quick um, and, and we're off and running. And so it, it was great. And it went from total chaos like right away. And then that's where I meet you. That's where so, I look but, over and see fucking Matt Bacon standing right there. And, and uh, I just want to point out. So the first time I see Scotty, he is holding together Dave Whitty's drum kit. And I was going to run out and help you, but I, I like, because we hadn't met in person before yet, I didn't want to freak you out. Like, I, you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause like, you know, I think that's part of the sort of the covenant of DIY is like you run on stage to help your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the symbol stand knocks over and you're around feel free to run up there like and do like it, that you know? yeah, like but, that's part of your obligation as a member of this community but also if you haven't actually met the guy yet and i was that was such a i don't want to say stressful because it's not like i'm like having anxiety 
there's just so much adrenaline and excitement when you're yeah. doing stuff like that. So yeah, so the band starts playing like right. We're only like one minute behind schedule, and because we had like, you know, and I don't want to talk shit on any in particular Hellfest stagehands, but they kind of threw the shit together. But to be fair, someone probably called them and said, hey, uh, Municipal Waste is running late. Can you set up the stage for them, please? And, you know, and some guy's like looking at specs on an email on his phone. So the drums are falling all over the place. If you would have ran out to help me, it might have stressed me out more because yeah, then I wouldn't have had control of what you're doing. You know what that's I'm saying? How, that's how I read the so situation, yeah. I'm making eye contact with Witty as he's like fucking blasting away. I'm holding to like, let him know I've got it. And he, he should just keep playing. You know, um, there's 80,000 people behind me. Yeah. I think that was like the first time they did the wave of death. That's one of my most viewed Instagram videos is of the wave of death, which is, they got like, which is, you know, the wave of death song, which some of you probably know where the only lyrics are wave of death. And they get like thirty percent of the crowd crowd surfing, like it's insane. Yeah, so that um, and so I shot that music video that summer doing the Wave of Death at all those fests. So there is footage in the music video from Wave of Death, um, from that show, from that Hellfest show yeah. that happened like that because it it's so crazy. Like I was talking about the adrenaline and how it it like it waxes and wanes so much, like in a few minutes, like we, there was all this relief that we made it on time. And then the drum kit was falling apart. But within, by the end of that song, by the time I'd tightened everything up for Dave and made sure that he was okay. Um, I was, someone handed me a fucking pitcher of beer. Cause that was the other thing. Like we hadn't been backstage. We hadn't get, like, there wasn't, I guess there's always waters on the side stage and stuff, but like, we didn't, we weren't set up the way we would have been if we'd have been there if we'd arrived the night before or whatever, you know? Sure. So someone, I think it was uh, Mark from Mad Booking, our, our booker over in Europe, hands me a pitcher of beer and a stack and a sleeve of cups, you know? And so all of a sudden, it, after the drums are going, it's like, oh, fucking cool. Here we go. Like, my guys know how to fucking rock a crowd and we're off and running and it's great. And now I'm just casually pouring beers for my guys and, and filming for the wave of death video on my GoPro, you know, and like winking at Matt Bacon, like, Hey dude. Yeah. You like, we didn't have chance to say hi. We did one of those like eye contact with a solid nod. Like, yeah, What's like up, homie, I see you. Yeah. I see we you. Could. We'll talk later. Right now is not the time, but I, I, you're, I yeah. see you. <laughs> and then I had to run. I think I did, like that was also, yeah, that was, that was the weekend I started doing the, cause I do interviews and translations for Hellfest. And that was the weekend I started doing my Hellfest interviews in a Bacon's Bit style. So I did 30 interviews that weekend. <laughs> yeah, you were all over the place. So Which we was, met up. So yeah, had a cigar, you know, as men do. So <laughs> I think it's, I want you to dig out the, a photo and the Bacon Bit that we did there. I, we did a Tank Crimes TV too. Let's dig these out uh, to promote this as we're promoting our the first episode of our new Noise Direction podcast. Um. There's got to be a, a there's a foot there's a still photo and a video of both of us for sure from yeah. that day. Yeah, and and it's definitely like Matt day two of a festival looking pretty crisp. <laughs> well, you I mean you were on full like I said or like you just said I mean you did thirty interviews or whatever that day you know. It was yeah. But I so, remember you and I like just like tucked behind like 
oh one yeah of those doors on the outside of the yeah in some corner. The, um, yeah and i was like smoking weed and you're smoking your cigar and you know just like you know just the fellas. Maddie, Maddie Bacon style, just the fellas, yeah. No, um, the other, the, the, the fun, like, weird, hardcore story from that weekend, the other that doesn't involve you was, did I ever tell you about interviewing, um, how, I, how I ended up interviewing Milo? No, did they play that festival? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what happened was, so first of all, the girl running the press tent, doesn't speak a lot of English. And I had helped her a few times because I speak French and English. Mm-hmm. And so she and I were homies. And she also was like, in, she was like wearing a knuckle puck shirt. And like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy knuckle puck. No shame. But I've seen knuckle puck. Like I toured with them actually. Um, but like, what you know, the point being, she was not like aware of who some of these people were. Um, and there was like some sort of miscommunication because again, 30 interviews. Yeah. And she said, oh, you know, you've got to go do this interview with Milo. And I'm like, wait, who? I thought I had like riding Christ right now. And I turn around and it's fucking Milo. <laughs> that was like one of the only times in my life I've been like really star starstruck by someone because I had like no emotional preparation. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He just turned and, around and there he was. Yeah. And it was glasses. like, you went to college, so we didn't have to, <laughs> you know, um, and that was like, that was just really fun. was just like randomly meeting Milo and just like being like, oh my God, here I am with fucking Milo. Oh, I okay, was, I, I thought I want, this was tomorrow. <laughs> I want that. I want that photo too, to promote the podcast, the Milo yeah, of course. photo. No, yeah, go, put it know. in the, put it in the notes, put it in the notes, baby. Okay, Milo went to college, so you don't have to. Um, that's what we need on this fucking podcast. Anyway, so before this drags too long, big takeaways of this podcast are when someone cool follows you who you like or you see someone who you think is cool on the internet, tell them. Worst thing that can happen is they don't reply, which isn't to be taken as a diss or a slight either. Yeah. So that, you know, that's, that's it. Like the, 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 the barrier of entry uh, that the, that smartphones give you is like so much different than any other history of man, you know, that access, at least the attempted access, you know? Yes. Second, um, Spend a bunch of time, like, act- actually active in the community you want to engage in so that you don't look like an idiot. Uh, yeah, third, uh, participate. Know yeah, your set time. Participate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I guess finally, like, I mean, I feel like those are the big, those are the big takeaways, right? Yeah, I think those are the big takeaways, man. Show up, follow through, uh, reach out. And, um, you know, and then of course be like friendly and honest and, and I guess that's it, you know, um, everything, everything that I've done to get me here, including working with municipal waste was just showing up and having a good time and then being the right person at the right time who this is very important. And we'll, I know that we will address this very often throughout this podcast 
saying yes to stuff. Exactly. And uh, the two of us are a couple of yes sayers. I think that's how you knew I would say yes to doing this podcast, which I did. And um, hopefully, you know, we will uh, we will benefit ourselves and others. Absolutely. Uh, through through whatever the whatever whatever it is we're attempting to do, which which will become more clear. <laughs> Tune in, listeners. <laughs> Episode two next week, where the secrets are finally revealed. Um, as a bonus thing, before we wrap this up, my favorite Tony Ferrasso story, which happened at this Hellfest set. So it's it's a hot French morning. Tony, after completing the set, collapses on the ground like spread eagle, just breathing. <laughs> And he gets up and he walks over to me. And I like only sort of know Tony. Like I know him from like high-fiving side stage. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but like we we know each other enough. And he walks over to me and he's like, oh hey man, good to see you. Come look at this. And he wanted to show me the sweat stain from his shirt. Because he had sweated all the way through his shirt, but not like through the cloth, but not through the screen print design. So the words on the back of his shirt were perfectly carved out in the sweat on the stage at Hellfest, which there I you thought go. was like the funniest thing. Like, oh, I haven't seen you in like two years, bro. Come look at my fucking sweat in dead. Well, I I like that also because it 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 speaks to like the camaraderie when like there's when there's like an emergency or something like. Like we all knew that that was going to be an unforgettable set because of the circumstances that led up to it, what happened during yeah. it, and how many fucking tens of thousands of people were watching. So, like when we finished, like I remember, like hugging stagehands and like high fiving everyone. Like when that set was oh, over, yeah. it, it was like a, a real triumph, and everyone who was on the stage was like really rooting for us to like make it happen. And then when we did, it was like much more celebratory than than other sets even in even in front of that size crowd you know oh absolutely i've and i've like i like that's something i miss is i miss i was thinking about this as we were prepping for a festival i'm involved with that is happening this year and we don't know if it's going to be virtual or not um and I, I was just thinking about like how last year at the same festival i had like been put in charge of a bunch of volunteers and i was just like coordinating all this shit at the last minute and it like it's just so much more fun that way like, even though that's, like, below my pay grade, like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of love it, you know? Um, nothing is below Nothing is below your pay grade, Matt. Let me stop you there. That's okay, part fair. of it. It's part of being, doing music stuff. I well, mean, exactly. sometimes, sometimes you own the venue and you mop up a little barf. Oh, you I You know, agree. like, that's... Yeah, no. <laughs> but, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, right? It's like, yeah, moving benches is not what I'm normally being paid to do, but sometimes I like it when that's what you do is you just you got to just get, throw down. Yeah, you, yeah, sometimes you just got to coordinate. Throw down. And even like sometimes like lead by example instead of like being like, hey, why aren't you motherfuckers doing this? You just start exactly. doing it. And someone goes, oh, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Exactly. That's exactly it. Right. Is it's like, you know, I fuck, you know, like fucking throwing people. I've thrown I had to like physically throw people out of my own festival before just because no one else was going to step up and do it. Like, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, this has that, that been... day at Hellfest. I was trying to real quick. I was trying to think of what other bands I saw that day. I watched devourment do some brutal slams in like the, one of the tent stages. Sick. I watched Leonard Skinner kill it 
and I, we, I saw Skinner like three times that summer because we were on kind of the same fest run as them. So Skinner actually killed something interesting about Leonard Skinner to tell Americans is that like in Europe, people will bring Confederate flags to the festivals to fly during Skinner. And all that flag means to a Belgian is Leonard Skinner. And that's really oh, yeah. funny dynamic. Oh, absolutely. They're just like, fly, they're flying the fucking old Dixie. And you're like, as an American, you like look at it and you cringe. And yeah, then you like, realize ah. they're just like, no, like, I, you know, I, I'm, I brought my flag from my country. And then I brought this Leonard Skinner flag just to fly while they were playing. Yeah, no, that is that is 100% a thing. I think when Leonard Skinner was playing, okay, here's like a crazy story. That's like the, the dumbest flex, but this is cool. And we can't, this is going to be an issue with this podcast as it becoming story time. But this is a cool story. I remember watching that Leonard Skinner set from side stage at um, Phil Anselmo. And two crazy things about that set. One, right before the set, Phil and I were talking and he told me about uh, the Slayer tour, which was really cool. Just that he would like tell me about that like well before it was announced. I was like, oh, that, that's kind of nuts. Um, I, I, I didn't realize we were like that tight. Cool. Um, and then the other thing was the guitar. That was the first time I saw the guitarist, um, who I had been with when he met Phil and Selma the first time five years prior at also at Hellfest and who I had first met when he was playing basements, Mike Dillion, when he was in MOD. And so to have him go on stage with Phil and Selma, and then they go up and they play like one of the illegal songs and people are like, Oh, okay. And then they just rip into like 45 minutes of Pantera and to like watch your friend who you like helped book basement shows play Pantera songs with Phil and Somo in front of 15,000 people is like. That's kind of, that's the, the pleasure <laughs> is all yours. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, um, I gave Carrie King a water during that set. That was really cool. <laughs> man um yeah and then saw slayer slayer that night slayer's last friendship i saw slayer's last show in like seven different countries that summer (laughs) so (laughs) nuts (sighs) yeah i saw that set with uh luna from midgard's blood um anyway this has been noise direction i almost forgot the name of the podcast too (laughs) we're gonna work on the story time aspect We'll catch you next week as a part of the Daily Music Business Podcast. Catch you later. Thank you. Good night. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grey Street.